0: On this episode of Talking Schmidt, I'm joined by Jordan Burton to discuss the NBA bubble down in Orlando and who we think might just take it all. I have all that and more coming up next. Welcome into episode 17 of Talking Schmidt. I'm joined by the one and only Jordan Burton. JB, I'm glad to have you back on the show, man.
1: Hey, I I couldn't be more excited to be on it. Thank you for having me.
0: And so last time that Jordan and I were talking, uh, one of the things that we were talking about was the NBA. Um, They didn't go through with your idea where you wanted all 30 teams there uh, playing and trying to kind of have like a March Madness-esque tournament. Um, Were you upset with how the NBA did things, or are you excited to kind of see this uh, 22-team format?
1: To be honest, I'm excited about the 22-team format, but I'm kind of upset um, because if you look at it, we've had so much time off, and the Golden State Warriors, again, like we talked about, as a healthy team, if you gave them a restart and a chance to play their way in the playoffs, they might win another championship. I mean, they're they're probably that good when they're healthy. Um, And just with so many people opting in and opting out, I think it it would have been a neat uh, situation to give everyone a chance to play their way into the playoffs. Obviously, there's nothing normal about this NBA season, so why have a normal finish to it, you know? But, hey, at least it's basketball. We're going to get to watch it, and 22 teams is better than zero teams, right?
0: That's true, yeah. And so I am still... Okay, so I know that one of the things, and, and the other people might be thinking the same thing that I'm thinking right now. One of the things that, like, is on my mind is the fact that there has been some, like, statements that if for some reason... You know, we start getting to a point where there are a lot of uh, cases of of COVID breaking out. the The bubble might pop here, and we might not have the NBA. Do you feel like we're still going to have it? Do you feel like people are? I mean, is it is it? Do you feel like the situation that these guys are in that they're going to be able to maybe just uh, single someone out kind of quick and, and get them you know quarantined and, and away from their teammates? Because I know two guys tested positive, even though before they left. They didn't have it, and then by the time they arrived to Orlando, they did. So, two players arriving in Orlando already had to be quarantined. But they've been on buses and they've been on planes with their teammates. I'm, I'm maybe a little skeptical about it. What do you think about that kind of a viewpoint?
1: Um, I, I think two things. One, just from the optics of everything going on, if the NBA doesn't complete their season, I don't, I don't know if anybody's gonna is, is gonna play. Like, like think about this, the NBA has a bubble. They're putting all their players in these hotels, and everything's kind of isolated for them. If they can't get through a season, there's no way the NFL plays. There's no way Major League Baseball plays. And there's no way college sports play, which we're already seeing a lot of them push back into the spring anyway. So this is, if you're a sports fan, I don't care if you like the NBA or not. I hope you're rooting for this to work, because <laughs> if not, we, we aren't going to get live sports for a very long time. Um, but to answer your question, I think that, honestly, if you would have told me we're going to test everybody before they leave, and then we're going to test them again when they arrive. And only two of 322 players would test positive. I would have said that's, pretty, that's a pretty good number. Yeah. You know, and that's, I, I, I'm honestly impressed. I do think once they get into the bubble and everyone is secure in the bubble, I don't know if I see a lot of things happening. It, it sounds like, from what I understand, the players are basically not going to be around anyone else. Right. So whether we're talking other than coaching staff, they're not going to be or even around the the normal workers and people that are working within the bubble. It's going to be a very, very restrictive, isolated um, environment. So I, uh, to be honest with you, yeah, I think it's going to work. I think, yes, you're probably correct in that they're going to have players that get the disease. I think with the rings they're wearing and some of the things they're doing to kind of uh, stay on top of that, they'll be able to get them out and it pretty quickly. I think the other thing is, you have so many of those guys who are just going to be, if they do get it, I, I mean, obviously they'll test positive, but I don't know if you have a lot of symptomatic NBA players. Um, so I'm curious to kind of see how that works and, and how everything goes. But I think it will be a situation where they get through the season. Um, the, the question is going to be, A, how many players get it, and B, when they get it. Because Russell Westbrook's a perfect example. Yeah, If Russell Westbrook would have caught it two weeks from now, there's a chance Houston, you know, might, might have struggled. Um, obviously, him catching it early means he's going to be fine for the restart. But I think that'll be the biggest thing. If you have someone like LeBron or Kawhi get it um, in the middle of the playoffs, that basically eliminates them for an entire series. So that would be uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a whole other aspect to uh, to this restart and how we're going to crown a champion.
0: Yeah, that was what I was, that was kind of like my next question to you is like what happens if like LeBron James gets this? What happens if like some of these real big names and Russell Westbrook's like that first name? And obviously I feel like a a guy like LeBron, um, you know, you're mentioning like they have contact with no one, but, you know, their coaching staff, like LeBron's that guy that's literally no one is allowed around him at this point. I mean, he has to be, but, you know, it is something that it's kind of interesting to think because, you know, you could have – you know look at the nets i i think that's kind of a big example where you could have had guys uh, just a great kind of starting five for the nets and then they have multiple players who say hey we're not going um and so now you're looking at almost like a backup roster going for the nets who were a team that were that was in playoff contention so you got to think you know the more we see this you know are in another thing even though we're going to have eight games and then tournament time do you think that they're going to try to give um more players rest even during some of those last like eight games that they need to get kind of warmed up and do you still think they're going to try and rest some of these guys just to make sure that they don't weaken their immune system uh, that,
1: that's a very good question honestly i would go the other way with it because they've been sitting for you know three and a half months i don't well, how much more rest do you need? You know, it's one of those situations where I almost feel like I would rather play guys and make sure that they're in game shape and ready to go for playoffs, rather than worrying about them um, being immunocompromised just because of again the nature of the athlete in NBA. I think I would trust that from a from a nutrition standpoint and just from a, a physical, you know, a, a body composition standpoint. You you feel like they're going to be good. I I would try to get that rust off though and go ahead and play those games. And you actually brought up a really good point with the Nets. The Nets are in a unique position because in the Western Conference, um, I think it was what, uh, 15 teams, or excuse me, the Western Conference had 17 teams or something like that back. Um, They had the majority of their teams. Um, There's only one non-playoff team right now in the East, and that's the Washington Wizards. So the Nets, even though they're not bringing their entire roster, they're in a position where even if they lost every game of that eight, they're probably still going to be in the play the play in game, yeah. Just because for the Wizards to catch them, it would be so hard. So that that's going to be a unique thing for them because they they did sign some talented players. You look at Michael Beasley and, and Jamal Crawford and some of these guys. They got some guys who have playoff experience and who are very talented. Um, obviously, that that's still not going to make up for no Spencer Dinwiddie, no uh, Kyrie Irving, no Kevin Durant. But that, that's actually going to be a team that's kind of fun to watch because we've seen we've seen teams who maybe don't have superstars maybe play a little bit better ball together and uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But, but yeah, I think maybe the second biggest story within the bubble other than people getting COVID is going to be who's not in. And, you know, you look at Bradley bill, you look at Kyrie Irving, you look at Kevin Durant who probably could physically come back from that injury and play Um, Victor Oladipo for the Pacers who have been playing very well. And he's obviously a very good player for them. Those are going to be major losses but then you even look at the role guys like the Lakers losing Avery Bradley and maybe Dwight Howard for an extended period of time that those are going to be losses that truly make a big difference so i uh i'm hoping everybody stays healthy obviously everyone is but i think the battle of attrition is going to play a major role in how we define a champion
0: one of the other things that uh are kind of that has been talked about um it hasn't really been a, hasn't had a lot on board with it there's probably about 3 teams that are like super stoked about it or really trying to have it is that there's a chance, or will that there's a talk that there could be a second bubble in Chicago with the, uh, they're calling them the Delete Eight. Um, and the final, three of the teams are really pushing for it Cleveland, Detroit, and Atlanta. Um, we know Golden State, Coach Kerr was like, yeah, it's probably not going to happen, guys. But uh, do you think that we should have a Delete Eight? Do you think those final eight teams should try to maybe do something almost like an NIT style tournament there? I think it
1: would be neat, but I think the tough part is, if you look at someone like the Golden State Warriors, they you know those guys probably don't want to do it. You know uh, their team is already pretty veteran laden. You know so for them it doesn't make much sense. For the San Antonio Spurs, another team that is heavy with that, which obviously they'll be in the regular bubble. So, but I think some of these teams that are a little bit older, it maybe doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But for the younger teams, I think it'd be great. And really, Golden State is probably the only team that you would look at that probably wouldn't want to play. But the Atlanta Hawks and getting Clint, Clint Capella and getting him. Kind of going and obviously giving fans a chance to see more Trey Young and more some of these young superstars. I think it'd be great.
0: Yeah, I like the idea too. And I and I know you know when you think about it, if you're a guy like Steph Curry or Clay Thompson, I mean Clay, who you know he missed the season, but you know when you think of these guys and and. What what would they be playing for? You know, they're not really playing for a championship. That's why, honestly, and when you and I talked about it originally, I loved the idea of having every team go to um, Orlando. I thought it was amazing because if you do have it kind of March Madness style, does a team like the Warriors? who were, you know, had a terrible record, do they make a surprise run? You know, are they able to sneak into that eight? You know, are they able to, you know, push themselves? Which I think a lot of people would say, if you have a healthy Steph Curry, healthy Klay Thompson with Draymond Green and and the team that uh, Golden State has, there's a great possibility. We see them, you know, at least make it to the final eight teams. But when you don't have that opportunity, you know, again, like you said, very veteran laden, but again, guys like Trey Young, it'd be fun to see what they could do. Um, You know, maybe just, uh, maybe kind of a lax game. Maybe not the, uh, you know, a grind of like an eight-game season type deal, but, you know, maybe one and done, you know, single elimination. With eight teams, I guess it's not too crazy, but it would be kind of a shortened thing. But still, it could, you know, really build that drama behind it. So I agree with you. I think if you do have young teams, but then again, you have to have all eight of those teams on board, And, you know, you never know. Some of the things that you could do is the teams who maybe don't make it to those final 16 teams, maybe they pop to Chicago. Maybe you put them in with there. I think that could be a decent idea, you know, give those guys a a kind of a later start to see what the teams that would be coming from Orlando would be, take those remaining teams and throw them in there. What do you think of that idea?
1: I I think that would have been a tremendous idea um, early on. I think the other thing that I look at is maybe with those remaining teams or maybe with the teams who don't make the playoffs, again, just because the season's not normal and we didn't get a a full regular season, it would be neat if you had those teams in Chicago play for the their draft spot. Right? So you have sixteen teams or fourteen teams who aren't gonna make the playoffs. Put them in Chicago, let them play it out. You get your draft spot is, is uh related to where you finish in that in that final stretch, right? So whether you want to go single single elimination tournament and kinda let them the winners play and let them pick from there, I think it would have been a neat another neat way to kind of get teams games, but make them play for something, you know? So if you're the, uh, if you're the Atlanta Hawks and you win the, uh, you know, the, the, the worst, the worst 14 tournament, then you get the number one pick, you know, and that, that way there's incentive to not tank, but to really try to figure it out and put a, put a productive team on the court. So that would have been a, that would have been a, uh, another way of, of getting something useful out of, uh, out of playing with some of those teams who who aren't playoff teams,
0: I think what we just proved just then, Jordan, was that there's uh, two guys doing this podcast that could be um, working with the NBA right now. That's all I can think of. <laughs> big big picture. That's the biggest takeaway <laughs> from this for sure. Absolutely, man. We're gonna take our first break in the show. Uh, when we come back, we're gonna break down a little bit about what we expect to see. Jordan and I are going to make a few predictions and just what we've seen throughout the season, and then what we might see from what's going on in the bubble down in Orlando. So stay tuned, we're going to have more on that coming up after the break. What's going on, everyone? Thank you so much for joining me this far into the podcast. Don't forget you guys can subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or on Google Play, and you can leave ratings and reviews along the way as well. And don't forget on social media at underscore Talking Schmidt on Twitter and on Facebook at Talking Schmidt Podcast. All right, let's get back to the action. Welcome back to segment two of episode seventeen of Talking Schmidt. I am joined by Jordan Burton, JB, joining me for the second show, his second show at least. And uh, Jordan, we've we've gone through and looked at like a lot of what if scenarios, and now we get to add to that by saying what if with our own predictions. So <laughs> that's where we're kind of moving into here uh, with the NBA bubble going down in Orlando. So um, I don't know. Put on your Swami hat. You know, make make uh make your best bets here, man. This is what we're gonna be doing.
1: Perfect. Let's do it. All
0: right. So you were bringing up some good uh good points there when we you and I were in the break. Um, as we know, the West is just always so tough, and and, and has been for. Several years now, we, we know how tough that Western Conference is. Um, obviously, we know the Lakers pretty much have a, a top spot there. Clippers sitting at two. Uh, the Nuggets and Jazz at three and four. And as you were mentioning, you have uh, Thunder Rockets Mavericks who are very close with the Jazz in record. And then after the Grizzlies, there's several teams that are really just nipping on their heels as well at that eighth spot. What do you, how do you feel the, the West is going to be? What do you think those eight teams are going to be? And, and do you feel like there's going to be some changes in seating?
1: I, I do. And here's the deal. I think if you're in if you're the NBA, you would love to get um, John Morant and Zion Williamson in a play-in game for that eight spot. That would be fantastic. And, again, keep in mind, if you're the team who's not in the eight spot but you're within four games, and you get a chance to play in for the, for the final spot but you have to win two games, whereas the eighth seed would only have to beat you once. So that was, that's a neat thing about it, obviously. But uh, but I think the, the thing to keep in mind is, so you look at a team like Portland. Portland underachieved throughout the regular season. Uh, there's no reason they should be under 500. I think they're probably a top three or four talent team in the West. The thing to keep in mind is all this time off, again, they maybe have the best foreign guard in the NBA in terms of Damian Lillard, uh, he has a really good running mate, C.J. McCollum. But I think the thing to keep in mind is not only do they have Hassan Whiteside, who's been playing well, but uh, Nurk is actually coming back. So Nurk was hurt. He missed the entire regular season, didn't play a single game. And before he got hurt last summer, he was a very good player. So you add him in the mix, and now you have him and Hassan Whiteside. So you have two Twin Towers who are extremely good, and you have two really good guards. And you have enough guys like Carmelo Anthony that can make shots and kind of be a nice threat, and obviously Gary Trent's playing really well for them. I think Portland's going to end up uh, wiggling their way in to not only – I think they'll be in that eight seed. I think you'll be looking at them playing either Memphis or New Orleans or someone like that uh, to get in, and I I honestly don't see – I don't see Portland having a problem uh, securing that eight spot. And honestly, outside of Golden State, they're probably the team that is most benefited from having the restart just because you get a chance to get Carmelo more engaged, um, to get Nurk healthy, to get the Sunlight side up, up to speed. But then they play a lot of young guys, and, you know, a guy like Gary Trent and getting three and a half months for him to prepare and continue to play at a high level is going to be huge for them. So Portland is, is my pick for the eight seed there.
0: Yeah, I like that because, you know, you talk about having kind of that veteran veteran help there and, you know, just having that great front court and then you add in being the fact that you do have healthy guys again and, the, and that you have a healthy team and you're looking at that and you think if Portland was able to play those last 20 games, maybe we aren't talking about that, but maybe we are, you know, uh, at this point. So, you know, that's a team that could definitely, you could definitely see them making a run late in the end of the NBA season and now we're going to see a chance uh, for them to do it in Orlando still with that those first eight games. Um, you know, you, you feel for Memphis and you feel for a team like New Orleans because they do have those two big-name rookies out there and two big-name stars that are, you know, kind of growing throughout those fan bases in John Morant and Zion Williamson. But um, we'll, it's going to be exciting to see. Definitely something that, uh, you know, Um, I think a lot of fans would want to see. Do you feel that there will be any, if you have, the way you're looking at it right now, if you go Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Jazz, Thunder, Rockets, Mavericks, and then Trailblazers, do you feel that there's any first-round upsets, anybody that could sneak past one of those teams that are up there?
1: Yeah, to be honest with you, I I look at a a couple spots. One, if everything holds pat, the Houston Rockets – Assuming Russell Westbrook comes back the way that we think he will, they would be a matchup nightmare for the Nuggets just because the Nuggets are so big, and obviously Houston's going to play small ball, so you're going to force uh, Joker to have to defend PJ Tucker or uh, Robert Covington on the three point line, which isn't ideal for him. Obviously, he w- he would have his way on the other end, but that tempo would be so quick. Um, I think the Rockets would would definitely be a, a favorite there in that six three, and then I. Uh, Again, I, I love the Lakers, and I love what they have. I think they're going to be lacking depth when you start looking at them without Avery Bradley and without Rajon Rondo and some of the pieces they're missing, even without Dwight Howard. And you take a healthy <laughs> a healthy Portland, right, and they have a true room protector in Hassan Whiteside, and they have another room protector in Nurk. They have enough bodies like a like a Rodney Hood and like a Gary Trent to kind of throw at LeBron. And then you have two big-time scorers. I don't. I think the Lakers would win that series, but I think it would be an uncomfortable six or seven games if Portland indeed gets that eight spot and the Lakers stay in the one spot.
0: Uh, You, I mean, if there's any Lakers fans that are listening, they might be just a smidge upset at that. But you have a point. I mean, you know, if you have a like we said, this the Portland with the healthy team, they're kind of a surprise spot if they're able to get in there. Um, and able to actually play at the pool their full potential, which, you know, obviously if you're the Lakers and you're still playing those eight games, you know, to get warmed up, you still don't really have much that you have to worry about because you know, you're going to be a top seed, uh, in the tournament. So I, I like that. I, I like those predictions, man. Um, let's move over to the East. Um, how do you feel about, I mean, do you think, obviously do you think the wizards can sneak into that, uh, to that eighth spot or do you feel that the eights already set?
1: I think the eight is, uh, is set. I think the, the one thing to keep in mind is Orlando should dr- jump Brooklyn for that seven spot. And then that would give you a play in of Washington and Brooklyn, which I assume Brooklyn would win. Um, the Wizards playing without Bradley Bill, without uh, David Bertens is going to be very, uh, no John Wall, no, no uh, Brad Bill, man, they're going to be, uh, they're going to struggle to score the ball for sure. Um, I think, again, and honestly, if you had a situation where John Wall decided to go ahead and jump back in and play, and you get Brad Beal in, the Wizards, again, as an eighth seed would be a nightmare, first-round matchup. But uh, I think as currently constructed with, with who they're not bringing, I think uh, you're, you're going to get the Nets and, and Magic in those final two spots. Um, unfortunately, the Nets are going to be super watered down, but if you've seen any video of Michael Beasley floating around on Twitter of his workouts... He looks really good. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually excited. I, again, I, and on, honestly, on this side, on the Eastern side of the bracket, I don't know if you're, you're not going to have a competitive one, eight or two, seven, but that being said, Michael Beasley and Jamal Crawford in a situation where they have to score, it's going to be fun to watch because they're, they're two of the most gifted pure scores in the NBA, regardless of who you're talking about. Both have, have a tremendous history of just being dynamic scores in in all different ways and all three levels. So uh, in a situation with no pressure and no superstars on the floor, I think they're going to be two guys who are who are very fun to watch play.
0: Again, kind of how we did with the West, do you feel that on the Eastern side of things, do you feel that there's a chance for uh, a team that, you know, or what team do you feel has the best chance of pulling an upset over a, a higher seed?
1: I think we have one really good spot for an upset right now, and that's uh, surprisingly, if you look at the 3-6 uh, the matchup, which right now would be Boston and Philly. Um, Philly has a six seed, and, and honestly, I think Philly might be the only team, not the only team. In, in terms of the Eastern Conference, I think Philly is the one team who can beat anyone in the conference in any style of game. And, you know, they can go small and play, play a little bit more dynamic lineup, but obviously their big lineup, if you look at Embiid, Horford, Tobias Harris, and Ben Simmons, is four guys that are 6'10 or taller. That's a massive, massive lineup. And in a playoff game where things slow down, I think it it could potentially be, be very difficult for teams on either end to uh, to compete. And I think when you look at that Boston-Philly matchup, they had a great series last year. I uh, I really like Philly, not only because of Joel Embiid and the Celtics not having a great matchup for him, but also you look at what Tobias Harris brings to that team with his three-point shooting and how comfortable Ben Simmons is. And keep in mind, Ben Simmons was hurt when the NBA ended. Um, he was hurt. Uh, Joel Embiid had been banged up. So you give them three and a half months to get re- re-energized, get healthy, and kind of settle back in, and I think that's going to be a a really big deal. And uh, the biggest thing is, Kevin 76 is find someone to stretch the floor for them consistently. If they do that, I think you might be looking at a team that's a- equipped to win the East um, as a 6 seed. And that's uh, obviously a very tall order, but... They're just the one team that really has something that nobody else has um, almost at every position.
0: So let's go ahead now. I'm going to put you in the hot seat here. Eastern Conference Finals, what two teams are we going to see?
1: Oh, that seat's very (laughs) hot. Okay, let's say this. Prediction. The 76ers are going to catch the Pacers, and they're going to be in the 4-5 matchup. I think they'll beat the Heat. And then they'll beat the Bucks in the semifinals. I think the Celtics on the other side would beat the Pacers and then turn around and beat the beat the Raptors in the semifinals. So I'm going Philly Boston in the semifinals.
0: Wow. That hurts my heart, man. I'm a big Giannis fan. That that hurts my heart <laughs> a lot, man.
1: Yeah, they 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 were really good and I just don't know if he has enough around him in a playoff setting.
0: No, I, I can I I can see that. I can see that definitely being it. Um, I would I'm still thinking Milwaukee might push into there so I'm, I'm still thinking Milwaukee should be at least in there um, and I like the Milwaukee Boston matchup but um, you know that's that's why we're in the hot seat right now right that's that's why we have to make these guesses I would love to see Giannis get to a get to a championship game and the NBA finals I would love to see that team but you know you have to you have to ask that question. What's around him, and and then when you look at a lot of these other teams that kind of have built that up there, you know, and have built up teams and 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 have solid benches that are going to come in there. You do have to wonder, you know, can Milwaukee run with that, or will it have to be on Giannis the entire time um, to really? have a magical moment um no pun intended there down in you know disney magic kingdom but uh, (laughs) thank you thank you for at least uh, acknowledging that it was something decent there but yeah i I agree with you on that one let's jump gears let's go to the west uh same same situation who do you think will be in the western conference final
1: i think you're getting the battle of la that everybody wants yeah um I, i think it's gonna be lakers and clippers and uh if, if you're an NBA fan, you you, you got to be excited about about the way that would look.
0: Do you think are you are you thinking from here? Are you thinking because I, I I agree with you? I think it's a battle of LA on the West um, for certain. Do you are you thinking we get a renewed rivalry with a different look between Lakers Celtics, or are you thinking? Um, the Lakers might finally get the throne, and we might have a, a Clippers team finally make it into the finals. Uh, what do you think we're going to see? What do you think the NBA Finals is?
1: I mean, it's so it's so tough. I'm oh gosh, I've gone back and forth. I could really see a Lakers Seventy Sixers finals. Uh, honestly, the Seventy the Sixers remind me of the uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder, mm. um, probably about a decade ago. Whenever uh, Russ and KD and James Harden made to the finals against LeBron. And they were, it was almost like they were too young to realize that they shouldn't have been. You know, <laughs> hey, we shouldn't be beating some of these teams and they made the finals. And that almost reminds me of uh, of this current uh, 76ers team. Obviously, there's more veterans on it, but I, uh, I'm i going to go with the Celtics. I think we're going to go to the Lakers-Celtics, you know, uh renewed rivalry. I think the biggest thing there is, the Celtics and, and again, um, whenever you start looking at guys who can play multiple positions and defend multiple positions, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward are are going to be a tough, tough matchup um, for Philly in a conference uh, conference final setting. And I think also you you can't forget the, the playoff history between those two, especially as currently constructed. And I think Kimball Walker coming over is going to make a a major, major difference uh, for the Celtics. So. I uh, I think I'm going Lakers um with the Lakers in six.
0: You know, and and I would love to see Milwaukee make it. Like I said, I'm, I'm a big Giannis fan. I I think that would be great to finally kind of see, you know, a, a Giannis LeBron matchup for you know, for everything, everything's on the table. But I think also, in my mind, the only thing that could make sense in all the craziness that's gone on this this year is that the great, one of the greatest rivalries in all of sports, Lakers-Celtics, happen in a, a bridged, weird NBA season. I, I think it just all kind of is, is lined up to have something crazy like that happen. And uh, in a year like this, it, I don't think it would make anybody scratch their head. I think they'd all be like, well, at least we're getting one of the greatest rivalries <laughs> of all time uh, in a year that's crazy.
1: For sure. And I'm, I mean, if you're the NBA, <laughs> you can... <laughs> you couldn't pray for a better matchup. Um, you get two of the biggest media markets with two of your marquee, I mean, not two of, the two marquee franchises in your league. Um, you get <laughs> you get the top dog. You know, you get a uh, future Hall of Famer and Anthony Davis as well. But you also get the young gun with the Celtics. with Jason Tatum really kind of being one of those young guys who looks like, you know, he's ready to take that next step and truly become, you know, superstar player. So I think that would be... That'd be huge for the NBA. And uh, I think you can't, you really can't um, understand just how good Jason Tatum's been. Um, you know, late before that, that, that stoppage, he was a guy who was averaging, I believe it was like 31 a game over his last seven or eight. And he hit some big shots, and he really looked like he was settling into a game. So I think if you're the NBA, you'd love that, that matchup. It almost reminds me a little bit of the Kobe LeBron matchup that we were hoping for, you know, yeah. in 2010 that we didn't quite get whenever Kobe was really in his prime. And, you know, you had a a youngish emerging LeBron. So it would be neat to kind of get that. And Jason Tatum already dunked on him once and hit him with a little bump. So I think that uh, it would definitely be a a fun series between those two.
0: Yeah, I I completely agree with you. So uh, Jordan and I thinking that the possibility that we're going to see here, Lakers-Celtics, Jordan saying Lakers in six. I'm going to say Lakers in seven. We'll just push it that way. I like to live on the edge, and I feel like if we're already going to have the drama of Lakers Celtics, we might as well get seven games out of it. So, um, oh for sure, for yeah. Sure. I feel like which is which is hope for that, you know. And, and like you said, you know, we have to hope and and hope that these teams can continue to kind of push through, and um, that these guys can stay healthy down in Orlando to make sure that this actually gets to happen. Because um, we'll also see the NHL trying to get their uh, playoff system going as well. And then, of course, uh, you know MLB, and and I'm actually doing fantasy baseball this year, so I, I kind of need, you know, the MLB because I need to know how fantasy baseball works. So we need all this to kind of go off. And sports fans, you know, just you know, keep saying your little prayers, whatever it is, whatever you have to say to, uh, to make sure that we have these things happen. Jordan, uh, man, it's been great talking to you about the NBA. I want to catch up with you a little bit on life. How's everything going? I know uh, you guys are kind of looking at. You know, some uh, some differences with basketball season. You know, how have you guys been handling some of the news that we've been getting with sports getting pushed around?
1: Yeah, so the, the NJCAA, which is the governing body of, of junior college athletics, actually just announced today, um, a couple hours ago, that uh, they would be pushing every sport to the spring. Wow. So every, every single sport is going to get a spring start. Um, from a basketball standpoint, and honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if you saw all divisions do this. Um, from a basketball standpoint, we get 60 days of practice in the fall with five scrimmages, um, and so we'll, we'll, do, we'll use that as our fall season um, with the idea being that if something was to happen from a pandemic breakout or a second spike that we could kind of scrap it and, and have until January to get prepared. Um, we'll start official practice January 11th, and we'll start playing games um, at the end of January with April being the start of postseason – and late April being the conclusion of our national tournament. So it looks a lot different. We're only going to play 21 to 22 regular season games, which is uh, down about 10%. But other than that, I think uh, for the most part, uh, this is kind of what the coaches wanted. Um, Initially, the plan was to start earlier, right, start in September. That way we get some portion of the season in and then have a break from essentially Thanksgiving to New Year's. But the issue was, well, what if – But if there's some kind of stoppage in that fall portion, and is it worth it to start and stop and then try to start again, or how would that look? So I think that pushing it back until January gives more time for a a vaccine or just more time to figure things out. And I think uh, for the most part, coaches are pretty pleased with what's going on. And, man, I think we're all just hoping that everyone stays safe and everyone's vigilant and trying to get rid of of this disease or at least kind of control it so we can get back to uh, some sense of normalcy.
0: Has it been hard to recruit? I mean, you know, and, and, and then again, to add in this, which is something you may not know because we really don't know what's going to happen with high school as well, you know, do you have any advice maybe for guys who, you know, would it be expected to start playing – I mean, high school ball around, what, October, November-ish? Do you have any, I you know, what do you tell those guys? You know, just, are you telling them to just kind of keep it up and, you know, if they can get into a gym and stay healthy to, you know, keep practicing? Or, or what's the message that you have for some of these kids that you'd be looking at to play at the next level for you?
1: Yeah, so uh, a couple things. One, the classes of 2020 and the class of 2021 are probably in the biggest uh, conundrum ever for recruiting class. So to put it in perspective, um, of our 2020 class, the class of guys who are going to be incoming freshmen, we only had two signees that actually made it to campus and they came to campus in the fall. Um, obviously with COVID happening and just kind of the way their best low recruiting works, a lot of it happened in the spring, um, campus is shut down. So guys didn't get to take visits. So the majority of our team has never seen our campus. Um, the majority of our team is, has never met the staff in person. And that's kind of the landscape that all coaches were looking at um, throughout finishing the 2020 class. There's a lot of Zoom calls, a lot of FaceTime, and a lot of virtual visits. Um, the 2021 class is going to be in a similar boat because coaches couldn't watch them play this summer and evaluate their games. We're probably not going to watch them during the season because who knows if they'll have a season. So, uh, man, it's it's going to be a situation where I truly think we're going to look in a year from now, and see record numbers of transfers because of how the 2020 class ended. And then I think a year from then, right, spring of 2022, we'll see an even larger number of transfers because the 2021 class wasn't a normal evaluation period. So I think the next two classes are gonna be classes that have a lot of uh, a lot of movement, which is part of it whenever you have a, a situation like this. My best advice to high school kids is be very proactive. If you have video and you have a school that you like, send it to them. Um, reach out through email or through your high school or travel ball coach. That way that way you can get yourself on the radar. And then if there's ever a chance to get on campus, I know that some schools are going to try to have fall camps. If you can get on campus and front of the coaching staff, do it because you may not get another chance for them to actually see you play in person. So uh, the biggest thing for kids who are going to graduate in class of 2021 that want to be college athletes is you have to take your recruitment into your own hands and be proactive just because... There's not that stage or that platform that classes in years past have had through the summer circuits.
0: And if you're taking classes at home online, stay up with them. Do your lessons.
1: Right for sure, for sure, and that and that's the biggest thing too. Is uh, a lot of people struggle because at the end of the day, essentially at home, you're teaching yourself. So, right. um, if you need extra help or or you know if you're kind of falling behind, understand that the teachers are going to be even more. More, uh, more likely to help you or or give you some extensions based on the situation. So uh, that that's always a given. Your your grades have to be up, but don't let uh, this pandemic be your excuse for for becoming um, academically ineligible or putting yourself against the wall academically.
0: Yeah, I like that, man. That's that's great coach talk right there, man, and great life coach talk right there. I I appreciate you as always, Jordan, uh, for joining us. Uh, um, anything else you want to add before you before we head on out here?
1: That that's all I got. I, I have one question for you. Okay. we're gonna put you on the hot seat Uh-oh. real quick since I've been on the hot seat. Rookie of the year, who are you giving it to?
0: What what's that now?
1: And how much does the restart in these last eight games play into it? Based on what happened. As as opposed to what happened to start the season,
0: you said for rookie of the year,
1: rookie
0: of the year. Uh, well, oh man, you're gonna make me say his name, aren't you? Um, yep. I, you're gonna make you're gonna make me say Are you his name. To say it? Um, there's a kid who came from this town. Well, he played in this town in Kentucky. Um, they wore blue and blue and yellow. Uh, their mascot is a guy riding a horse. Um, yeah, that kid, John Morant. Yeah, John Morant's. Uh, I, that's who I'm going to go with. Um, gosh, man, <laughs> he's he's one of those players. And like I, you know, calling games against Murray State when I was in college and everything like that. Like they have some good guys that have come through there that I've had the opportunity to call their games because they were just straight athletes. Uh, I can think of Isaiah Cannon uh, as one of my first games that I called, my first Austin P. Murray State game. Um, I don't know if you know this or not, but Isaiah Cannon came in and had 33 first-half points against us. I had no idea who he was. He had transferred from like uh, one of the schools down in Mississippi and Biloxi, and he was uh, he had like – I can't remember what his stats were at this time. I have it written down somewhere because I, I kept most of those, um, you know, old game call sheets that I had. But Isaiah can I remember he had 33 points in the first half. He was just unstoppable. Austin P had no answer for him. And then a few years later, a guy by the name of Cameron Payne came through, and I got to watch Cameron Payne. I did not get to call any John Morant games, um, but from what I heard, I mean, I mean, what I saw, because obviously I was able to watch the games on like ESPN Plus stuff like that. I mean, the the guy was just phenomenal at Murray State, so it was hard to. Uh, It's hard to, like, when you see an athlete that good to just be like, well, I can't like him because he went to my rival school. So he's putting the OVC on the map, I guess. So I have to really definitely, uh, you know, give him some love for that because the OVC gets overlooked, I feel, a lot of times. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Ja. Um, And when you watch him play, I mean, he's just an all-around good player. I mean, there's no other – like, it's not like one of those things where I'm just like – I can't not root for the guy just because of where he went to school. The guy is phenomenal when he plays. I mean, he's definitely one of those guys that tries to get everybody involved and then he can still kind of take over when he needs to. So, yeah, that's who I'm going to go with. Um, And then the restart, I'm sure he'll... He'll play well, but maybe Portland will get it. Ch- and, and that's the sad thing as well. He, he's a Memphis Grizzly. So like most of the people that I know that I'm friends with are all Memphis fans from this area. So like, I can't even be like, well, maybe the hope let's root for the trailblazers over him. Cause then I'm going to have a lot of my friends be like, so you're not going to root for Memphis when they're in your area. So it's even, it's, it, I get hit all around from, from John ja Morant, but you know, I do think it's Ja. um, you know, I do think what you said though, I think the trailblazers have the best opportunity to kind of jump into the eighth spot. So, um, I guess silently I'll be like, man, that sucks for Memphis. But then again, you know, deep down inside the Austin P. governor and me will say, you know what? It's worth it. Definitely.
1: Definitely. The one thing I am curious and last point for a jump off, but. I think if Zion Williamson comes back in his restart yeah. and he just goes off and averages you know, 25 and 10, and the Grizzlies get into the playoffs, or the, the Grizzlies, the Pelicans rather, get into the playoffs, I think it might be enough to flip to the point where he was so dominant in the small window that he played that it would be tough to overlook him. And he'll really start pulling some people uh, in that rookie of the year vote.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely something to, to keep an eye on. I, I think we're going to see a lot of. I mean, I don't know if all we'll have a, a crazy look at all the awards, but for certain, I mean, there's going to be definitely some some awards that, um, for at least the end of the season awards or whatever that you know there might be some people that kind of jump over you know just by those last eight games and then what they do during the actual tournament. So, um, I'm excited to see it. I, like we said, we, we you know we got to hope that these uh, that these tournaments that are going on now whether it's the NBA, the NHL that they do, that they're able to go through and that they're able to push through this. And then of course the MLB season goes through because you and I know, uh, being from the areas that we're from, you know, a lot of times football is King man. And if people can't watch the NFL, they're going to be very angry. For sure. For sure. All right, man. Well, it's been great talking to you, Jordan. Uh, I like, as always, I appreciate when you come on and you chat with me, man, it's, it's, uh, it's a fun time getting to talk, and, and you're always so very knowledgeable about everything that we're, we're going over. So, um, you know, I'm not always the most knowledgeable when it comes to the NBA, but I know, uh, I know you're somebody I can definitely say, hey, what do you want to do? And you'll just take over for me. So I do appreciate that, man. Um, like I said, always a pleasure to have you. I hope that you uh, will want to pop back on. We can maybe do an update when we get into the start of the uh, NBA tournament as well. Sounds good.
1: Sounds good. Anytime.
0: Awesome, man. Well, for this episode of Talking Schmidt, we're finally in the books, but it's not our last show this week. Make sure you join us again on Thursday. Thanks so much for listening.